episode 18 look at me boys i looked up what episode number we were on and i finally remembered it it's episode 18 of the puck wave podcast as always stooge with a mustache myself is here jacob lucas america's goalie jackson bowline and today from the hockey 411 we have brian anderson joining us brian boys what's going on how we doing thanks for having me doing good doing well so I want to get right into it. I want to talk about what kind of took over the hockey world today. It was a tweet from a friend of the show, and he's been on Brian's pod as well. Johnny Lazarus tweeted out, what did you call it growing up? Mini sticks or knee hockey? The three of us, Brian, are all in agreement. It was knee hockey for us. Jake and I never actually played hockey. We just played knee hockey. Um, that's what it was called. I said... Mini sticks are like the little crappy plastic ones that they sell at the arena and like you keep. And sure, maybe they sell them and they call them mini sticks, but like we know it's for knee hockey, not a game called mini sticks. Growing up, what did you call said game? So I think there's a difference between where you're from and how you say this. I think if you're from Canada, you say it's mini sticks. If you're from the States, it's knee hockey. I, for one, grew up in the States, so it's knee hockey. You know, there's a lot of good memories of, as a peewee running up and down a hotel lobby and the old man yelling at you and being like, what are you kids doing? Be like, oh, I'm playing e-hockey, run around with the nets and everything. But it's 100% e-hockey, not even close. My parents bought me one of those mini street sets. That's, that's the closest I got to real hockey experience. And we played for a little bit and eventually my parents banned us from playing because we're playing upstairs in our bonus room and someone got a little aggressive one day. And like full on was kind of doing a little, like we played on our knees, like literally knee hockey and was doing a little body checking and um, a stick flew into the wall and made like this size dead to our wall. And our parents, my parents were like, okay, nope, no, no more, no more hockey inside. Have to play it outside now. Two months later, we were playing inside again, but. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a, um, I remember any hockey parent, I think that's a nightmare because it happens a lot. There are a lot of holes in the walls because of, uh, knee hockey. Uh, I remember that growing up um, and uh, maybe putting a couple holes in people's walls. But <laughs> I mean, like to Brian's point in Canada, it's different than it probably is here. You basically grew up in Canada in the United States. So for you to also say that you never heard of mini sticks, I feel like gives a lot of you know substance to our argument. I think it does. I mean, like I said, I never, I've never heard of it like that. Everybody I've ever played with growing up and throughout the ranks, it's always been knee hockey. Like I'm pretty sure it says like, if you Google it's knee hockey, like knee hockey, like you get the set that comes up with the net and the, and the little plastic twigs. I think if you look up many sticks, I don't think that's, I don't think Google's going to give you a result. It's just going to give you the physical one piece, like, Oh, that and a ball. Well, wait, what if I want the whole set? Exactly. And there's like many a pair of like, especially pajama pants, like with knees ripped up and just like destroyed from it. And then other people are like, yeah, it's called shinny hockey. Like, no, you're just making things up now. Who I've never even heard those two words together in the same sentence. So sh shinny hockey uh, growing up is something where you put boots on and you go out to the, the rink in the winter. Uh, the outdoor rink, if it's uh, if the ice isn't good or it's melting a little bit, it's when you put boots on and you go play hockey. That's what I I, I knew was uh, shinny hockey. 
Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad that we all agreed that it was Nihon. I mean, Bleacher Report Open Dice even chimed in. They 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 said mini six. The poll said mini six, but I don't know. I I've never. Well, yeah, heard of course that. they agree with the guy that tweeted it out. That works for them. That would be like, bad optics. I yeah, not really. I don't Just, know. It Twitter just depends on who's running the account. That's all. Yeah, Twitter engagement. But like, I don't know. I've never heard. Like, it's not even like an American versus Canada thing for me. For me, I just never heard it called mini sticks before. Like anyone I'd ever talked to called it knee hockey. All right. I'm glad that probably for the first and only time, maybe besides like who was going to win the Stanley Cup last year during the playoffs, but like probably the first time we all agreed on something. So I'm really <laughs> proud of us for, you know, growing up as a program. Um, all right. So, I mean, Brian, you're our guest. You kind of have a rough idea what we want to talk about. What team or what situation? What do you want to talk about first with us? Can we start in New Jersey? I would love to, personally. So, if you're going to be listening to my show, probably, hopefully, later next week, I think we're going to be planning on getting a New Jersey episode in. So, stay tuned for that as a little side plug. Um, I, this this Devils team is, first off, a lot of fun to watch. They're the talk of the town. I had them as a bubble team because I needed to see it more. But Tom Fitzgerald has done a fantastic job with this organization, top to bottom, cleaning up where what needed to be cleaned up. He went out and got a goaltender in Vanacek. He went out and got a defenseman in Marino for Ty Smith, essentially, who didn't make the team. And there were a couple of thing, underlying things with Ty Smith that just it didn't work in New Jersey. And Marino has come in and helped solidify that top four. He's been a great defensive presence. And, you know, if you're in New Jersey too, you lose PK Subban. I like the guy, but he was a defensive liability. There's no way to put around it. Like if you watched him, it was tough. Like he knew he was coming to the end of his career. I think he should have kept playing like someone wanted to give him a contract, but that's here and we're there. And then you also have the fact 86, 63, and 13 are probably the best trio core you can watch on TV today. It's, it's incredible. Like Nico, he shares in the running for the Selkie in my book. Brad Pack has been unbelievable. And if you're a Devils fan, you probably wish you locked them up. Jack Hughes is starting to turn a corner here. Like he got off to a really slow start. And I've been hard on him on my show. Like he's great with the puck. And this was the problem I had with him during his draft class. And if you've listened to my show, this is, I've said it a lot. You know, he, he struggled to play away from the puck, right? There's an art to being, you know, two steps ahead of a play. Like Tim Stutzler knows where to go immediately. Like if you watch him, his mind's thinking two steps ahead of the play. Like if I'm going to bank the puck off the boards here, then he's going to come right. All right. And now I know need to go where he he's going to send that next play. Jack Hughes didn't get to that when he was, in my opinion, when he was first drafted, he was great with the puck, but what did he do without it? And you're starting to see him play without the puck now. And it's something that, and he's getting more, more defensive responsibilities too, right? He got 20 seconds on the kill. I think earlier in the week um, towards the tail end of it. But the fact that Lindy's putting him out there and he's getting more reps, incredible and then also the fact that blackwood has come back fresh he's looked good and they're, this this devil's team reminds me a lot of the caps last year you're gonna ride the hot goalie switch him out when you can decent defensive core obviously it might be a little bit better and then you have a good forward core that can light up the lamp so um it has the same type of vibes at least early on and like we're only 10 to 11 games in the season but they're the talk of the town maybe i know uh Devils have caught your eye over there in Minnesota. You feel the same? Yeah, I, I love this team. And I like how you mentioned uh, John Marino. I mean, the, the trade uh, that happened this summer, I think I, I mentioned that I really do like this for the Devils. Because um, John Marino, he, he's not a 
Ty Smith was more that offensive presence. Um, he, he showed a lot of promise that he was going to be a very good offensive defenseman. But then he traded him for John Marino, and I think Ty, I, I think Ty Smith, Ty Smith was a uh, fan favorite. I'm not, I mean, I'm not a, a Devils fan, but uh, from your reaction at least. But John Marino is a very good defenseman. Um, at first in his career, he showed that he, he could score. It's gone away from that a little bit, but he's so good uh, defensively, and he, he's just solid. He's just a solid all-around defenseman. So I like that you brought that up because that's something that uh, I've noticed watching a couple games down the stretch. And, I mean, I mean, the injury uh, the injury brought to Andre Pallott is, is, is tough. He's a veteran. He broke president. his penis, Jackson. Don't put yeah, it lightly. Yeah. He broke his penis. <laughs> yeah, and how, and that, that's a tough loss, though. I mean, but they still are playing good. They're still scoring like crazy. And, yeah, I mean, it's a great line that you've got there. You just have to hope that Jesper Brod uh, re-signs. I've, I've heard that he's declined. I think it was they were mentioning it during the game. Uh, what yesterday or whatever, um, that he he declined multiple like seven year uh offers, but you just got to hope that they they figure something out there because he's turning into a stud and a uh, draft steal. Didn't they just cut his brother too? Did they? I think they did. There was something with him in the AHL today, but I didn't really like read into it. Oh, maybe it was maybe it was AHL. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean. Devils were definitely surprising to me. I just did not think they would pop off quite like they did. I mean, they've been doing enough that the goaltending hasn't become too glaring of an issue. But, I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw perhaps, like, the Devils target a more veteran goaltender. Because if they want to try and make a run, I mean, that's going to be the biggest thing you're going to need. And right now, it seems like offensively and defensively, they're in pretty good shape to have a good season again it's only like 10 games we don't know how things are going to be halfway through but they might look i feel like we could see the devils looking at the goaltender and being buyers in the trade deadline instead of sellers i'm All pretty right. sure they still have uh, as jonathan bernier as uh, yeah he's i think he's eligible to come off all ltir in like two weeks or so okay so that's okay. something that you can definitely keep an eye on definitely all right, so I'm glad that Steve, before you before we move on, are you watching the game right now? This is horrible podcasting, but that was yeah. one of the best passes I've ever seen. That Gensel goal, goal and shot was <laughs> yeah. incredible. They play so much better when he's on. It's that it's was unbelievable. Uh, that was pretty. Anyways, I mean, yeah, he is half of the best duo in the NHL. Which actually, I want to just circle back to that point before I give my two cents on the Devils. I was listening to a hockey podcast, Hockey for Fanatics. One of their guys agreed with me that Sid and Jake is the best duo in the NHL. I thought that was uh, nice. I don't know if it was. I know I had talked about it with them, but I don't know if that's why they said it or not. But uh, yeah. Anyways, so I'm Did glad that the Devils my got. Admittedly clickbait with my admittedly clickbait opinion of Mika and Kreider. It was just like it was just reckless, really. But so hey, gets views. The Devils were brought up. I'm glad I didn't have to bring them up because uh, I'm I'm actually excited to watch and talk about them, which I've been thinking the whole week about, like, talking about them tonight. Um, And it's like the first three podcasts of the season. It seemed very reactionary how I have felt about them. One week, 
it's the first week it was like, all right, we actually did like, okay. And then it was like fire Lindy. And then it was like, now we're here. And now it's like teetering on wagon status for a lot of people, which is like a feeling that I don't know like how to handle. Um, at the end of the day, it's still fire Lindy. I get it. He's doing really well right now. Will he, who knows, but something has finally clicked, whether it's him or like the players actually playing well under him, but the team is like good to watch. Like you're getting players like Nate Bastion actually putting up meaningful minutes on the fourth line with Michael McLeod and Miles Wood, just like making a presence felt Jack Hughes. Like you said, Brian, he's realizing the game in ways that he didn't before. Jesper Bratt has a point in 10 straight games. Nico Heischer, everybody's finally like acknowledging the goal attending's been okay. The defense has been like one of the more surprising things. They're scoring on the power play. And it's just like fun to actually watch their games. Like, shout out to the Vancouver Canucks. They played so bad last night. It helped me be able to fall asleep comfortably knowing that the Devils were up four to one and that they would win because like it's the Canucks and I knew that the Devils would have it. It's they've done things so far this year. Like they shut out the defending Stanley Cup champions with their supposed backup goalie, Vitek Vanacek, even though, you know, it's whatever day of the week falls is who's going to play. So there's real no backup. But yeah, it's a fun team to actually watch for once. And I'm probably not going to have to sell pictures of my feet if I had to say right now at the end of the season. So, you know, it's looking good. Biggest but thing, Brad, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Brad's going to be on a really fun watch this year. Just the biggest thing with that, this team is like their analytics are unbelievable too. Like their expected goals is through the roof. Like every underlying metric that you can look at, it's like, it's in, it's in the green. Like it's good for them. Along with the fact that, you know, we talk about fourth liners, right. And I have to bring this up because I heard it on an interview and I've heard it from a couple different people I've talked to. Miles Wood has been a real like good voice in that room. Like he's talked to a couple guys, and like even when you listen to a podcast when Fitzy was talking about, it, he's like when Wood, uh, when Wood came and talked to everybody. Like a lot of guys respect him. He's a good voice to have hanging around. So it's not just you know I'm gonna bash you in. I'm gonna play a rugged style of hockey. Well, you know we're not in that room, right? We're not thinking about how these guys think. So if you know that there's a good voice in there who's leading the charge. That's someone you want to keep around. I think Miles Wood is someone you want on your team. Yeah, and after the first game, uh, when they lost in Philadelphia, and then he said that the home opener that following Saturday was like a must win. To some people, it was like, what are we doing? But like uh to Devils fans, it made sense in a way because it was like, you know, the expectations, there actually are some now. And you can't just keep losing and losing and expect things to be different if it's just more of the same from the early onset. But I mean, yeah, like Miles Wood has been invaluable so far this year. I mean, he got this ridiculous, um, what did they even call it? Something stupid, like instigating a fight when he was on the bottom and got taken down last night. That was ridiculous. Yeah. But like that was just the guy that you need call. to have. Yeah, that was, that was a weird call. I, those penalties are so weird because it wasn't really an instigator. It was still a fight. And well, like Miles Wood got was... taken down and yeah. they're like, yeah, you instigated. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how the devil's going to penalty kill from getting 
punched, being a guy on top of a guy, defenseless, getting punched in the face over and over, and then having another guy, uh, Degura, I think his name is, I'm not sure, um, another guy come in and start punching Woods um, after the fight was done. That I, I, I don't understand how the, I still don't don't get how the Devils were on the PK after that. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, they killed it off. I didn't know that in games that the Devils have won, they didn't, I don't know if they gave up a power play goal last night after I fell asleep, but they hadn't given up a penalty, a goal on the penalty kill in games that they won. They had won six games already. So that's, that's a neat stat. Yeah. Oh, Tage Thompson just scored again. I mean, yep. what a guy. <laughs> I want to, I want to talk about the team that they're playing tonight though. Cause they're very interesting. Cause I picked them to be in the Stanley cup. Brian, we, what do you make before of this? We go into the Penguins, I just want to say these jerseys, so clean. The jerseys mm-hmm. that Buffalo is wearing, are wearing tonight are so clean. It's, it's the uni matchup of the year so far, I'd say. 100%. Like, this will be better than whatever Pittsburgh makes for the Winter Classic for, like, the eighth time. Yeah. But yeah, Like, I mean, I don't, like, Pittsburgh jerseys, like, they're not bad. Don't get me wrong. I just, like, Buffaloes are so sick to me, though. They're, they're probably the best reverse retro in the league. Uh, well, oh, all right. Sorry. So talking about the Penguins, you were saying. Yeah. So Brian, this slow start, this is one of the older teams in the NHL. They average like 24 years, four months, something. Does this slow start concern you at all? I don't think it does. Uh, it, it's when you talk about slow starts and this is a team that when they're on, you don't want to play Pittsburgh, right? Like when Sid's going, when Malkin's going, when Getsy's going, anybody you want to talk about on this team, when they're going, this Penn's team is really tough to play against. But, you know, there's, they've had a couple stinkers in, their, in the games they've had. And when they're off, they're just off. They're just kind of going through the motions, it feels like. So that, that's my early takeaway with them. I'm not worried about them. And listen, Jeff Petrie's been a pretty good addition for them. Um, P, their goaltending, you want to talk about goaltending. This one might be a little bit suspect. I know that they're pretty tied up handsomely in the cap, but you know, Jari and Smith, like Jari's been okay. Smith's fine. Like, I don't know if they add someone mainly because of the cap, like it, it's just when you talk about demons and stuff from, you know, a couple of years past, Jari still has those hanging around. Um, I'm not concerned about this. This team will, they'll get in the playoffs. Once they get in the playoffs, I think then they'll pick it up. I mean, they're winning three, two tonight. Um, the one Tage Thompson goal was just, uh, they were on the kill. So there's nothing really you can do about that. Just a bad, uh, you know, obviously don't take a penalty. Right. Um, I'm not worried. I, you know, I trust Mike Sullivan. He's one of the best U S coaches around there right now. So um, they've got multiple cups. They'll get in the playoffs. So it's, you know, teams have slow starts, right? Nothing. It, it, the sky's falling in Toronto apparently. And they'll, they'll make it. I, at least I assume, um, but I'm not worried about this Pittsburgh team at all. JB, you would know infinitely more than me. Uh, as was well documented last year, Jari kind of rushed back into the playoffs from that injury. I'm not implying that it's carried over, but has he looked like a little bit off 11 games into you? It, I don't know. I mean, his stats are fine. Um, they're nothing like uh, concerning. I mean, he's not letting up more than like four or five goals uh, every game. But I don't know. I mean, it all starts from the back. I mean, it starts from the defense to the forwards, and the goaltending is there in the right, right there too. So, 
I don't know. I, and to, I, I guess I haven't really watched a whole lot of Penguins games this year, which is another thing where it's it's hard to tell. Um, and Smith is playing right now, obviously, when I am watching. Uh, so that doesn't help either. But I don't know. The Penguins are going to be fine. I agree with you as Smith just gets scored on again. And um, I agree with you that uh, this is a team that will get into the playoffs, will compete in the playoffs, and probably win a series or two. And I think he'll be better because he's shown that he's a number one goalie. I wouldn't say he's a top top of the league number one goalie, but he's a number one goalie. And you've got a very good number two in DeSmith, too. I think he's a very good number two. Um, nothing more than that, uh, nothing less than that. So I'm not too concerned with him. Um, he's He's had a very good career with the Penguins, so I'm not too concerned. I would say, like, the Penguins are in my top five of teams that I watch week to week. I don't know, something about Jari, like, last night, it was the second or third goal he gave up, but it's just like, it's a save that it was one of those. He um, positions his body towards where the puck is. And then obviously they're going to pass it across the ice and it's going to go in. But a majority of his career, he just not easily, but you know, makes that slide over to the middle of the net, protects the whole net. So, you know, the left side of it isn't exposed, but last night he just didn't do it. I don't know if he didn't see the puck. Or like I said, he's maybe not 100% yet, but it was just, it's one of those things. And it's happened a couple of times where it's just like, it's not the same guy that I'm used to watching, but I don't know. It is the beginning of the season. The whole team has started slow. They had that rough road trip last week. So, you know, I might just be trying to make something out of nothing. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm looking now at his uh, last couple of games. He played Vancouver. Uh, let four goals in Edmonton, six goals. You don't want to let six goals in ever, but I mean, Edmonton has that potential where if your, your defense up front is not on their game, it does not help a goaltender um, with confidence wise, but the last couple games, then he played the Canes. He had 40 say or 39 saves. So I, I don't know. Consistency is huge in the NHL um, and you don't get it very often with goalies. There's only a few goalies in the NHL that bring it every single time they start there's not there's a handful of them i would say and um those are the elite of the elite i don't think jari is in that that category uh yet but he's shown that he has potential and that's a big word because potential is is uh used for players who have shown good have, have shown greatness but uh inconsistency I want to flip to the team that they're playing. We're not going to go as in depth as we have the past two weeks, just because there are other teams and, you know, we got to be fair, but the if you're not watching them, please, whenever you get a chance, watch the Buffalo Sabres. They are just like a real treat to watch. Honestly, like it's a great team that if you want somebody to like root for, but you don't want like a, like a different favorite team, like the Buffalo Sabres are that for you. I mean, yeah, I'm incredibly biased because of my affinity for Tage Thompson and what he does night in and night out. And, you know, just a cool six points on Monday. And I mean, I know I forced you two to like keep up with the Sabres probably a little bit more than you would have liked to. But this team, it's like it's something there's something there, right? It's not just me hoping. We're talking about Tage Thompson. Like this is the guy that. 
a lot of Buffalo fans wrote off in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. He was cannon fodder. It was just like next, like, I don't want him on my team. I, I talked to people up there and it's just like, he's not, he's not anything special. And he turns it up next year. And, you know, if you've listened to my show, shout out to Anthony calling him the pterodactyl. I mean, his reach is incredible. They showed it on the, on the game today, like six foot, six feet, I think with his stick, like that's incredible. And everything was there. And I think the biggest thing with Tage and this team is it just, it shows how players have nonlinear development. Everyone has um, everyone wants guys to jump in like McDavid or Matthews to come into the league. Well, wait a second. We've got guys on this team that have taken time. Like we're seeing Darlene break out here. Olsen took a little bit. Tuck obviously um, took a couple of years with Vegas. Like he was in Minnesota, but he knew he was a top prospect. Like guys take time to move along. So Tate Thompson not having his breakout year till last year and after he's been in the league a couple of years just shows you that, you know, patience is a virtue and you need to have it sometimes with, with, with prospects. Oh, yeah, you don't have to remind me about uh, Alex Tuck getting let go in that uh, expansion draft. One of the worst mistakes in wild history, I think. That was it's, it still hurts, but uh, yeah, um, they're so fun to watch. And Darlene, obviously taking a while. And I think uh, Jacob is liking what you're saying because there's a couple of players on the Rangers that I'm sure he's he's waiting for uh, Lafreniere and. Uh, they're, they're I, th I think we can move off the last thing now. I think I, I have enough egg on my face after last year, but Kako still sucks. I will disagree with that. I think <clears throat> I don't think he's ever going to be the player people thought he was going to be. People thought he was going to be a skill player, um, scoring a lot of goals. And, you know, you, you know, the way you play <clears throat> before you get to the NHL isn't always the role you have when you're in the NHL. But I think he's been a really vital part of that Mika and Kreider line this year. I mean, he is so strong on the puck. He will he will fend off players. He will fight for the puck. He will recover well. He is really strong on the puck. And I think that strong possession game that Kako plays, getting the puck deep, chasing after it, getting feeds to Mika and Kreider, I think he's a pretty vital part of that first line right now. And I think he is a good player. I just don't think he's the player that people thought he was going to be. I He serves a completely different role now, but I think he's been this season performing that role really well so far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to the, the just the Sabres, their hot start right now, there's a player that I don't think people talk about enough. I mean, he has five points, which isn't world-breaking, but a 2020 draft pick, J.J. Paterka, he just scored again tonight. Um, I believe he, that's his third goal. If I'm remembering right. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been a great addition too for the youngest team in the NHL. And it's just going off that point where guys take time to develop and you sometimes you get that that shining uh star right away. Not that Paterka's a star yet. I'm not saying that, but yeah, it's just it's so different for each person in the NHL, each kid who who takes their time, takes time to develop and uh win that developing starts. All right, so like Brian said before, the sky is falling in Toronto, or I actually don't remember how you phrased it, my bad, but uh, yeah, Toronto, it's not looking great right now. I mean, they're going to win tonight, and that's great, and that's fine. Sheldon Keefe is still going to be on the hot seat tomorrow. Austin Matthews is still going to be subject to endless rumors. I think he's coming back to Arizona, by the way, but that's a different time and a different place. Um. The team is just totally underperformed. 
just, just does anybody know what's going on or are we just as in the dark as like they probably are? There's a couple of things with the Leafs that I've noticed. One is roster construction. Let's can we start there? You bring in Matt Murray. Um, who could have seen this coming? I don't like ripping on a guy, but Matt Murray, you know, he was he was hurt a lot last year, and you trade for him, and he's hurt again. Like, you know, like what what are we doing here? Um, so that's one of them. Ilya Samsonov has played pretty decent. Chagrin has not an NHL goaltender. The defensive zone has been pretty tough to watch, and the bottom six hasn't produced. It just hasn't. Um, it, it's been really frustrating to see if you're a Leafs fan. And the other thing I'd like to say is for the media asking 10 games in, are you on the hot seat? Are you fighting for his job? Like, I know it's Toronto, but it's like New York with baseball. It's just like, give the guys a break. Like, we're 10 games in here. This team had a four and four start, four, four and two, whatever you want to call it last year. And obviously the analytics on this team are a lot different and it's been pretty tough to watch. And, you know, it doesn't help when Marner and Matthews are struggled out of the gate. There's no question about it. When your top guys aren't going, your team's not going to go. I just find it a little ridiculous when, um, you know, we're, we're 10 games in, we're already talking about, are you playing for your guy, the guy's job? Like the Leafs already went through this with Babcock. You can't just fire a guy. You already did it once. I understand that if, you know, Keith was there for a bunch of years and it hasn't worked out. But we, we've done this with Babcock. Like, I don't think you can go down that road again. You know, obviously it's the last year of um, the contract for the general manager. And um, it's, it's just a weird feeling right now. They'll, they'll figure it out, but I think it's more of an identity and confidence thing. You know, you could talk about roster construction like we did, but what's this team's identity. We're going to lean on Matthews going to lean on Marner. W what else are they good at? Like every team's got a good identity. You know, Philadelphia is gritty, obviously, because they have mascot, but um, the team is gritty. Um, there's no identity here. And I think it's a confidence thing too. So once you get under the gun and you're losing games, this is what happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't really have anything else to add to that other than just their bottom six is it's tough to see. I mean, when they don't have that top six in there, it's, that's why they're losing games. I had them in our power rankings ranked as the 21st best team in the NHL. Like, even if it was after one game, that's just a ridiculous thing to say. But this has been a couple of weeks now. It's just, I I know that they'll figure it out. I'm less confident than, like, Pittsburgh, but that's because Pittsburgh is battle-tested and, you know, been out of the first round. Uh, So, you know, I know that they will, but it's, you know... I like you said, JB. I don't. I don't know. I don't have any answers. Like they probably. I don't even think that they're searching for answers. It's just one of those things that you know, time will heal all wounds, and hopefully they move past this before it's too late. Like Edmonton is a perfect example for them. And I brought it up last week or two weeks ago. Like you can start slow, and make it into the playoffs. Edmonton obviously went on and on. Then they needed an Evander Kane to kind of help, and then they all got right at the same time. But you know, sky isn't falling. It's they'll they'll be okay, I think. Yeah, um, and one guy who has gotten a lot of hate on that team is Justin Hall. Um, obviously, Minnesota kid went to the University of Minnesota. He was a high draft pick, 
Um, I, I don't, I don't remember who he was picked by, but, um, and never played a, never played at all for that NHL team. I think he played in the minors, but then he goes to the Leafs. He had a couple of seasons where people were thinking this guy's, this guy's going to be really good. And he's just been the whipping boy now. I mean, he's been, he's been hated on uh, a lot in Leafs, Leafs nation. And yeah, because of the microscope and all this, it'll seem way worse than it is, but you know, it's, they have high expectations and this isn't going to help them right now. But on the contrary of expectations, probably not as intense. The top two teams in the NHL are the Boston Bruins and the Las Vegas Knights. Is either one more surprising to you guys or are they both equally surprising? How do we feel about these being the top two teams? I'm almost more surprised by Vegas than I am by Boston because Boston has has that, um, I guess, like core of battle-tested, proven veteran players. And, you know, you might not have expected the amount of production they have, but you know that they're capable of it. You know they're capable of incredibly, like, elite, incredibly skillful hockey. With Vegas, there was just so many question marks coming into the season. You know, was Eichel going to come back and – be productive and the kind of player that Vegas thought they were trading for in the first place. What was their goaltending situation going to look like? Were they going to have a stable goaltending situation? Was it going to be consistent? Or are they going to be letting in five goals a game? There were a lot of question marks surrounding this team. And just like in terms of inconsistent play. And as, uh, as Jackson said earlier, you know, inconsistent play is what separates the good hockey players from the elite hockey players. But I just don't think anyone expected this level of consistency from Vegas so early on. Biggest thing with Vegas is Jack Eichel, right? He's the key to all, he's the key to their success. And Eichel's looked good in the last couple of games, right? He goes around the net multiple times against Connor Hellenbach, obviously against the Jets and wins in overtime. Has a nice saucer pass to Shea Theodore against the Caps. Um, he, he's the key to all this. You know, you shell out that, and if he looks, you know, I know Buffalo fans are probably like, if he looks disinterested, if he looks this, if he looks that, and I think it's just more bias speaking into it. This is Jack Eichel we're talking about. He's an elite talent. He'll figure it out. I'm not worried about it. Logan Thompson has been unbelievable, by the way, for a goalie that looks kind of odd and net. Right? I think we can all agree, you know, him being backwards handed, um, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, it looks odd. Um, it's an older roster, but it's working. Um, Bruce Cassidy has this team firing on all cylinders. Um, and like I said, Jack Eichel is the key here. He's the guy to win you on the craps table and that at the slot machine. I'm going to bring up every casino reference I can about when I'm talking about Vegas. Um, but if he, if he, uh, that team goes as he goes. So as long as he's firing on all cylinders and it looks like he's been picking it up. So, yeah, the very, very interesting thing about these two teams and being at the top of the league, one has the other's co- uh, old coach in uh, Bruce Cassidy. With Vegas now and Boston, they had a lot of co- complaints about uh, Bruce Cassidy just because he was he's too tough, didn't let uh, players do to roam the ice, didn't let them create uh, be creative. But Jim Montgomery is the that kind of coach who just lets them be creative out there, and um, he's more of a players coach. I I think he was a Stars coach before, and he had a um, he had a personal issue that he had to leave. But so he's a very good coach. But Bruce Cassidy is also a very good coach. He just didn't fit in with Boston. It seems like it's really working there in uh, Vegas where they needed some control. 
Last year was a disaster for them. Um, and a team that's has such a mess um, roster wise, like uh, financially, um, you need it. You need to have success if they're that deep into the cap. Um, success has to be there. But um, yeah, and they needed a coach who can who can set you straight, uh, who can make sure players aren't like drifting off into the season. I mean, Petrangelo was a disaster last year. Um, and he, he just had, he had one of his career worst years. I don't know about points. Uh, I don't remember his points, but I remember, I mean, we, we, the wild play him a lot. Um, so I, I watched him a lot and he was, he was not good. And he looks very good again this year. Eichel looks really good. I think Bruce Cassidy's a great coach for Eichel and, um, and, and Eichel really, I don't know how much of a locker room, um, I know Buffalo fans didn't or thought that he was bad for the locker room there. I've never seen anything that would suggest otherwise. I mean, I, I we're not in the locker room. I have no idea, but uh, Eichel is an incredible player. It's a team that's probably going to make the playoffs. I still don't believe in them strictly because of their goalies, but yeah, Vegas there, but Boston, that's a surprise to me. Boston's a surprise because they had a lot of injuries. I, I, I knew they would be good down the stretch, but Krejci, he comes back from Slovakia and he liked he, he, He's playing like he never left. Um, and I know he played hockey, but it's, it wasn't any gel hockey. He has eight points this year. And uh, it's just an older team that isn't stopping doing what they've done for so long. Bergeron has 10 points. Pasternak is on pace to be uh, Matthews this year. Um, he's been incredible. Hampus Lindholm. You can just go down the list, and these guys are stepping up huge. They're going to get McAvoy back soon. And uh, Swayman still hasn't even... Uh, hit his stride in goal. Um, Yolanis or uh, Linus, the Olmark has been very good there too. So I like the Bruins a lot this year. I see no reason why they're going to slow down. Um, they just have everything. And once McAvoy comes back, he's one of the better defensemen in the league. So I, I like the Bruins a lot this year. Uh, um, they surprised me though. Yeah. Keith. Brad Marchand, like instantly out of the gates coming back last week, three points. And then like, what he brings to a team, you hate if you're watching your team play him, but if you're a Bruins fan, you just absolutely adore the man. That just yep. is an unspoken thing that, you know, the fact that they're going to get basically the entire season with him instead of like, you know, last four or five months, it's just going to, these games that you would think are meaningless towards the end of the year uh, in the grand scheme of things, like they'll win them and it'll help them, you know, possibly be at the top of the East when it's all said and done. Yeah. He has three goals in two games. Just craziness. Hampus Lindholm is the key for Boston. I know I keep saying it's the key, it's the key, it's the key, but it's true. Uh, you look at the McAvoy being out, you know, Mar Marchi being out for a while. I know he comes back early and they're like, oh yeah, we're always targeting this date. And I think it's hilarious. But Hampus Lindholm, what he's done for this team, at least coming in and shoring up that top four, like, I love that trade last year that Boston did getting him from Anaheim. I, I just, I, he's, they got him on a good contract. It, it was, it, he's been fantastic with him. If you watch the games and you watch how he skates with the puck and how he moves it, they desperately needed someone on that blue line to help out. And now you're going to get McAvoy. It doesn't get much better than this, honestly, if you're Boston. And I think, you know, obviously Jim Montgomery, we know what happened with him, but for him to come in and just grab the reins essentially, you know, the, the Boston, for the people who wrote off Boston, 
including myself as a, as a slow start and more of a bubble team, I, I'll put my hand up and admit when I'm wrong. But, you know, Krejci coming back and then Pasternak uh, is going to have a nice payday as well. But, um, yeah, top to bottom, they've been a lot of fun to watch. Like I said, the key is Hampus Lindholm, the way he moves the puck. And with 2.15 left in the third, Penn's pulled the goalie, potentially conceding defeat to America's Buffalo Sabres. Uh, I want to transition now to the Pacific Northwest. Um, Shane Wright is kind of like, I don't know, a prisoner of war, it seems like. The Kraken don't really want to play him in the OHL, don't really want him. His grandparents came up there for a weekend trip and he didn't even get to play which I just thought that was like a hilarious thing that was reported. But, I mean, what do, what do we think of just Shane Wright not getting to play ever anywhere, it seems like now? Wright, there's a, dis, there's a disconnect between the coaching staff and the front office. Wright can't go down to the AHL because he's too young. Should he go back to the CHL to be playing hockey? I understand that argument, but he's kind of dominated the CHL in the last couple of years. Kingston has been... A pretty good proving ground for him. It's weird because you can't have him sit in the press box. You can't have him play under 10 minutes a night. You can't come out and say, we need to get a more ice time. And this, the Seattle team is young, right? Like there's a lot of open, there's a lot of moving parts. They're a young organization. They're trying to figure their way out in the league. And we're not in the room. Like I, my biggest thing when talking about hockey is, is that we're never going to know the full picture. We can come up with our opinions on the outside we can come up with what we see on the ice, but until we know what these guys are ticking and they're thinking about, you're not going to understand what really goes into that thought process. So for, as an outsider, Shane should be playing in the CHL. And I know that's an easy statement to say, but he needs ice time. I understand him hanging around the team when he needs to be a pro and this kid is a pro. I just don't understand not playing him. And, you know, Bar- you know get his eight games in, get his nine games in and send him back. There's no reason to have him hang around on a team that, probably won't end up making playoffs. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah, go on. Oh, I was going to say it reminds me a little bit of Lafreniere. Um, I mean, obviously Lafreniere played, but we threw him in our bottom six. And it's just like when you have this guy who's supposed to be such an incredible talent and who's supposed to really kind of like light it up for you guys, be that franchise young player to develop, sticking him in the bottom six or giving him no ice time at all. Like nothing's going to, you're going to do nothing for him. You're only hurting him. So I, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Send, send him back to the CHL, let him continue playing. You know, I get it. He's kind of dominated. He's proven himself there, but at least let him get the play and let him keep his skills sharp and everything. And when the time comes, bring him up or put him in the OHL. Like, don't just put him on the bench though. It makes zero sense. It's only going to stunt the development of what was supposed to be like Seattle's first franchise player. Yeah. It, it's almost like um, it's a little different. Actually, it's a lot different, but when players sign with the KHL, um, spend a lot of time there, uh, Tarasenko, uh, Kaprizov, you see these guys, they develop there in the KHL. They take some time. Yeah. They're a little older when they get back usually, but they, it's like the next best thing and getting ice time is so important for young kids um, in the NHL. That is, you just don't, I mean, we've already talked about, you don't see like kids like Connor McDavid coming out of a, a juniors or, or college and lighting it up. Kale McCarr. You don't see kids coming out of uh, college hockey and, and just lighting it up. You need a, uh, you need ice time and Shane, Wright, 
he dropped in the draft his confidence. I can't imagine his confidence is anywhere where it needs to be for him to develop as a player. Dropping in the draft and then wanting to prove his himself and wanting to prove people who, who didn't pick him in the draft and then not getting ice time, not even getting an opportunity to do that. I assume practices are going not well if he's not getting ice time. Um, that's just my assumption. I'm not, I can't like say that for sure, obviously, but yeah, you just need to get him ice time. You need his confidence back up. You can't be a great hockey player without confidence. So you need, you need something from Shane, right? And you need him to get ice time. And it's almost the same. Wow. It's six, three now. Jeez. <laughs> uh, it's almost the same situation with Slavkovsky. He's averaging like 11 and a half minutes. He's played seven games and he has two goals. Oh, and now they're fighting at the end of the game. Jeez, guys, like there's two <laughs> seconds left. Anyways, uh, but yeah, it's like the Devils, who we all thought would make the stupid decisions and, you know, took Nemec and then the next day everybody was like, oh, wow, that's actually a pretty good pick. But they all, a lot of people thought he was going to make the team day one and then he did, but that was just because I forget who, but one of their defensemen was hurt. And now Nemec is in the AHL. So they actually did the right thing because they're getting their guy that they drafted actual ice time and like somewhat meaningful, you know, building experience. But the Canadians and Kraken are just like, yeah, you know, we had the first pick and the fourth pick and we're just going to kind of let these guys rot. Like you let like Pat Maroon play 11 and a half minutes. You don't let the number one overall pick play 11 and a half. You know what I mean? It's like. There's levels to this, and I don't know, and I know this was supposed to be like, a, what are the Kraken doing? But, you know, the Canadians took the guy that I really wanted, so now it becomes a them thing. But I just don't get what they're doing, either team. Yeah. It's fair to bring it's fair to bring the Canadians into this. They're doing a similar thing. I mean, it just it doesn't make sense. Um, I, I We're kind of all in agreement. I feel like almost the entire hockey world's in agreement. Ice time leads to development. You're not going to develop a player if you don't leave him ice time. doesn't matter if it's in the NHL. Or the KHL, the OHL, this AHL, the CHL even. Like, you need to give these guys ice time. You need to let them keep their skills sharp. You need to let them get their, like, head on. Like, okay, this is what I'm doing, like, full time. I'm on a team now. Got to make sure I'm proving myself. And if you don't give them ice time, not only does their development, like, stunts and everything. Like Jackson said, like, their confidence deteriorates heavily when they're not getting ice time and they're not playing and they're not producing that takes a toll on somebody confidence wise and confidence is a big part of games we've seen it when player lacks confidence they don't get hot you said it perfectly ice time is key that's the biggest way you you know you can practice all you want you can do everything else you want but until you're comfortable within the game got to play the guy doesn't matter where he is I, i listen i want this kid to play in the AHL. Like he needs to play in the AHL, but they have an agreement with the CHL because the CHL is one of the top areas the NHL gets their talent from. And there's nothing wrong with that. That being said, he did miss a year of hockey because of COVID. I wouldn't have any problems sending him back down and losing him for the year and not burning a year off his ELC. That's just me though. If he wants to go dominate in the CHL, that's all for it. He should be in the A, get a little tougher, but you can't be playing under 10 tonight. I'm sorry. It, it, this it, it's a situation that's head scratching. But like I said before, we're not in that, and we're not in that room. We're not with David Axel making that choice. So until you know, as we can just sit out here and watch from afar and just kind of critique it. But 
they know what's best, obviously for the kid. Hopefully they, hopefully they know what's best, what's for the kid. We'll go from there. So if you add those two uh, drugs and change ice time up, you don't even get how much this next guy has played on average. That is San Jose Sharks defenseman Eric Carlson, who now looking at the stats, nine goals, six assists in 12 games. That is almost more than he had all of last year, all, all, all 50 games of last year. And during like the mock COVID year, uh, he had 22 points. He is just been lighting it up. A hat trick last night against the Ducks. Um, the Sharks aren't, you know, going to be anything a lot of people think. So he's been in talks of just countless trade rumors really since the whole season began. But what a start for him, huh? Yeah. Eric yeah, Carl- no one expected that. <laughs> Eric Carlson has made it very difficult for San Jose, and I think you guys can agree with me on this one. Obviously, he he's not going to be the Eric Carlson we lo- know and love from Ottawa days. It, just the Achilles and the foot and the injuries have just really sent him back. But and I and I've heard this on a couple different shows. Do you trade Eric Carlson? Like he's got value now, and it just puts. It puts San Jose in a predicament to where, yes, you moved Burns, but you've committed so, to so many guys on this roster. Like, they're in such a weird spot. Like, they're not that good of a team, but we've committed a ton of money and a ton of capital to certain players as a win-now organization. And Eric Carlson's playing great, but I don't see this team as a playoff team. So do you maybe try and move a guy or something? But then if you try and move them, then what's the telling the rest of your core? It's just something that you need to like think about and to really ponder with the San Jose Sharks because they're in such a weird situation because it's a retool with a lot of contracts that are uploaded and Eric Carlson's playing great. And we're, we're all, our eyes are all turning. He's getting more ice time with no print burns there. It's just, it's a very confusing situation. I'm not trying to take away anything from Eric, not at all. It's just the state of the organization, like the state of their union. It's very peculiar. And I'm curious to see how the general manager handles this in his first year. Yeah, I get that. Um, oh, man, I just completely lost my train of thought here, which is kind of a bu- – oh, yeah. So this is a little more along, like, the lines of uh, being funny. But I don't know if any of you guys saw A.J. Brown, um, Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver, tweeted after he had that monster game that he just got, like, randomly selected for a drug test. I wonder when they're going to randomly select Carlson. Like, you know, you were joking all last year even about Kreider on steroids that, like it wasn't a joke he, he what, is, what what he what did what did Carlson user. just start taking I, that's different <laughs> okay. like he scored more than like 15 goals in a season what Chris Kreider did just like should be like in, studied by science but go on it's just crazy like Carlson's production it's no no one would have predicted this. There's no algorithm, no stat that would have indicated the explosion that he's going to have. And I get what you mean. Like it is, there's a worry of the signal that you're going to send to your core if you trade him. But right now his value is crazy high. And, you know, it doesn't seem like it's slowing down in like five games. So do you, do you consider like making an earlier move, get something big and just kind of be ready and try and stock up for what's going to be one of the, like what's going to be an incredibly deep draft class in 2023 and 2024. Like we have some deep draft classes going up. If I'm not mistaken for the NHL, like why wouldn't you try and stock up on those picks? But again, you do have to try and, I guess, 
Um, I don't know what the word is here, but you have to get rid of him now because you have to hope that some team doesn't see that you owe him. But no one's going to take on that full contract, though. Who's going to take on eleven plus? And you're going to be eating uh, essentially five or six in dead cap every year. That's a hard thing to talk about. And as an organization who's trying to save money, like you can't just dump them and then eat half that contract. It's very difficult, and he's got years to go. Like I said, it's a very odd situation to be in. It's something you have to think about, and you, there's no clear direction. Not at all. And that's it's, I think that's going to be a question that just continues to loom over San Jose. Like, what do you do about this guy who, like, in all scenarios, you should trade? But who, like you said, how are you going to find a team to take on that much cap space? You guys know yeah, the I'm... only other defenseman who makes more than Carlson? Who? Darnell Nurse. Darnell really? Nurse. Really? That's looking pretty bad right now, too. He's been <laughs> yep. a lot worse since that, that contract year, that's for sure. Um, But, yeah, Eric Carlson is so weird. I mean, you guys have pretty much said everything you need to say about it, but because he's, he's been so... Hmm. He's been so uh I think I'm cutting in and out here, but he's been so inconsistent uh throughout his career in San Jose. Um, but I mean 15 points to start the season in 12 games. He's leading the team in goals. Um ugh, sharks. The second leading scorer. Can you name the second leading scorer on the Sharks? I feel like Timo Meyer would be too obvious, but I know it's not him. Nico Sturm. Oh, Not sure how Nico from Sturm. The trade <laughs> with the trade with Colorado, I believe, from last uh, year. he didn't resign. Uh so he was he was a Minnesota Wild for a long time. And we love That's him here it. in Minnesota. Yeah. That's and then it. we traded we traded him for Tyson Jose, but um he's a defensive guy. He is not an offensive forward by any means. He, he's an incredibly defensive uh uh center. Like very very good, and that's why the Avalanche traded for him. But um, he's he's second on the team with goals. So yeah, it's Eric Carlson. That's about it. How many goals do you have? Five, which is I'm not. I'm gonna look it up. But Nico Sturm, I I can't say he had five goals last year. Um, all at all. Yeah, he had. But it's it's yeah. still, like even then, it's still quite the drop off, like from yeah. Carlson to Sturm. Yep. Yeah, he had zero goals with Colorado last year. He had nine with Minnesota. Um, so he had nine goals. And how but, many games? Uh, he played. That's the other thing. He plays nearly every single game. He played in. Uh, let's see. For Minnesota, he contests. played fifty-one or fifty-three with Minnesota, twenty-one with Colorado. But yeah, it, that's just crazy that he's, he's second. And then I mean, Tomas Hurdle is getting off to an extremely slow start too. He's one goal. Uh, same with Timo Meyer. He has three goals, but all right. The last thing I'm sure there's many teams that we missed to many things that when this is all said, no one will be like, oh, we didn't talk about blah blah blah. But this has basically been on my mind for months and months. The Arizona Coyotes finally played at Arizona State. Brian, you actually played college hockey. You have experience in similar barns to what they are playing in in tempe what did you make of it and then actually seeing it how do you feel about it now 
do you want my experience and then the whole mullet arena experience as a viewer? Is that what we're asking for here? Yeah. Listen, college hockey was a blast for me. Uh, I'll, I'll not deny that. It was a lot of fun. You play in arenas like this when you can, and then you play in you know your normal standard ranks. But if you go to a, a school that has like a D3 program, you play in a nicer arena. That said, the mullet arena thing is kind of cool. It's different. Um, you know, everyone's ripping on it. It's childish. You know, the locker rooms are terrible. You know what? These guys are pros. They'll deal with it. It kind of, it, it kind of reminds me of like peewees of showing up to the rink and, you know, getting dressed in a gymnasium essentially and having to being quickly shuffled out, shuffled in, you know, there's a little bit of a factor where you can bring guys together on that. And the other thing too, Jeff Merrick made this point on his show. The shadows are pretty cool. It, it, it's kind of weird, but the shadows, if you watch, of the players just hanging around on the ice and you notice it, it has like that weird vibe to it and it's a little gritty and I, I kind of like it. There's a, there's a lot of rinks in this league and around the, around the world that don't have any character anymore. And, you know, we're, we get nice, we get nice buildings. We get nice things. This has a little bit of character to it. You're right on top of each other. I mean, you remember the, uh, the old Montreal arena, you sat on top of each other. They call it the Montreal lean for an, a reason. It's the same kind of vibes here. And I, I dig it. Like I'm, I'm all for it. Um, not as a permanent thing, obviously, but for the time being, I'm all, I'm all for it. I don't, um, you know, it adds a little bit of character onto on players and, and to fans that go. Yeah. yeah, I, you go, you go. For the first time, uh, since I remember watching the Coyotes for the first time, they have an awesome environment at the games. I mean, it's loud. There's chanting. And even if half the rink is the other team's fans, one there's one chant, and um, there's another chant over here that's chanting "Let's go Coyotes" and then "Let's go Jets." It's just it, it's a really fun environment. I don't know how players feel. I really don't, um, just because the locker room situation. You're in the NHL, whatever, but um, it's temporary. I don't know. I I really like it. I mean, it's not it's not a permanent thing, like like you said, but it's such a cool environment to watch. It's like watching, um, and I know I talk about Minnesota too much, but Minnesota State Tournament is one of the, the best events um, that I I could think of, uh, at least in Minnesota hockey. And you just get two schools just chanting things at, you at each other. And it's just an awesome environment. And that's what it, you, you get that feeling. It's like a college game, too. I love college hockey. It's my favorite. And it's just it's just an awesome environment. It makes makes watching Coyotes games a lot more fun. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's just the atmosphere. It, it's what exactly what you hoped for when they're like, okay, we're gonna play the we're gonna play the next little bit in the college arena. You're like, all right, sounds odd. But then when you think about it more, you're like, oh, you're just gonna have like, you're gonna have big fans there. You know, like you said, probably half the arena with other other teams' fans. But you're gonna have like. The big fans there. It's going to be a rowdy, boisterous environment. Like it's going to be a fun time. Like that's exactly what we're getting so far. And again, I don't want it as a permanent thing. But like for now, they're making the most of it in Mullet Arena, and I I respect it. It's fun, like you said, Brian. It's got character, and that's something that you're not seeing in a ton of places. Like I love MSG. Half of it suits now. Like. You know, a lot of, like, the character from, like, the older days of MSG has kind of disappeared a little bit. Like, you still got those fans and everything, but it's just not what it used to be. And it seems like Mullet Arena is trying to bring the character back into, like, the world of the hockey rinks. And I, I, I like that. 
I'd like to see more bigger like arenas start to kind of model that same atmosphere. I also really like the Boomer Jets fans that somehow snuck into the student section for $25. Like that was uh, like what? First off, you're from Winnipeg. So like you got to Arizona somehow. And then it's like you somehow found an Arizona State kid to give you their ticket for the first ever game at Mullet Arena. And then like you just then were like, yeah, let me sit with like college kids because that'll be fun for me being like a middle aged Canadian white guy. Um it's gone better than I think anybody could have thought of. It's going to get better because they're going to have actually have temporary locker rooms for the road teams, which is just conveniently left out of all the reports. Um, but yeah, it's something different. It's something fun. And it's like no other instance would we be talking about the Arizona Coyotes right now, unless I'm trying to force my Clayton Keller propaganda, or if we're talking about how miserable Jacob Chikrin is. So it's fun. It's something different. He's been, yeah. I mean, they they should have dealt him last year when they had the chance. Yeah, last year all the all the valuations were so high. I don't know what they're going to get at the end of this season. At this rate, it's looking atrocious. All right, booed in introduction. introduction. Yeah, because he doesn't want to be there. Coyotes. Yeah, and he's playing like it. Yeah. All right. The last thing I need, I actually only need it from Brian. Talk about the hockey 411 and not for anything. And I know I said this last week, so it'll seem like I'm just saying this to every guest. But your Instagram and like the way you lay out like the posts and the way you make them, it's just, it's really just incredibly done. And I, I'm sure you are very proud of it, but you should be because it's just the layout of it and how it's presented is just very good. And it like, I don't like thinking of hockey as this. I mean, players do wear suits before every game and it's the only sport that the coaches still wear suits on the sidelines. So it is like a bit buttoned up, but like your presentation is very buttoned up and professional and looks incredible. So I just want you to know that like, from my perspective, it's great. But I want you to talk about that. Talk about the pod. And let everybody what you got going on. First off, thank you for the compliment. It was, I had a great time on the show here. Obviously you guys are doing great work as well. Um, yeah, every Monday I drop an episode on the hockey 411. It's on our website. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. You name it. It's there. Um, we get guys to come on to out the league. You know, I try and get people to just come on 20, 30 minutes, give you kind of a lowdown on a, a team in a week. Hopefully, you know, last week was Minnesota. Um, they got, kind of got out of slow out of the gate and, um, you know, the content I make is it takes time, but it's worth it. Um, and you know, I try to be as professional as possible and, you know, it's the way I've done it throughout my life and, uh, we're still small, but we're growing pretty quickly. Um, got a sponsor for the year. So that's always fun. And we're just going to keep rolling here. You know, just hop on the train, hop on the bandwagon and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll rise to the top here. And, um, you can find us pretty much everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at the hockey four on one. It's a good time. Nothing crazy. You'll, you'll pick up a couple cool things and learn a couple new things, which I think is always something cool. You need to learn something new every day and we go from there. So we're always looking for new followers, new fans. Come, come join, hang out. We'll have a good time. Yeah. And like I said, it's professional and it's buttoned up. Unlike me who on Monday night posted two different dick jokes on the Instagram. I mean, yeah, the Reese's penis peanut butter cups was like objectively the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And the, the dildo at the ice in Buffalo was also one of the funnier things that I had ever seen. 
But yeah, so it's at the hockey four one one on all social medias. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. Uh, JB Jake, you have anything you want to add? I'd just like to go based on your uh, little dick joke comment. You would have enjoyed Rangers Twitter last night. Uh, Julie Gauthier put a guy in a chokehold. There was just a bunch of like kick jokes being made for like twenty minutes by Ranger fans. So I just think you would have enjoyed that. I'll send you a couple yeah. tweets. <laughs> um, Wilder back. Mark Andre Fleury's back. There you go. Good episode. <laughs> Don't pads. forget your catchphrase. Yes. Also, Marco Rossi five nine demolished six three. Uh, Slavowski uh, for the Canadians, and it was Slavkovsky. hilarious. Yeah, Slavkovsky. If you're new here, listen to the episode, then re-listen to it, because you definitely missed something. If you're not new here, uh, tell a friend. Don't ever forget, Johnny Goudreau is a whore. He has to live in Columbus for the next, like, seven years. Uh, Brian, we can't thank you enough. We'd love to have you back sometime during the season. I'm some 